TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo (laughs) lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. Recently, I've found myself swept up or sucked in, for want of a better word, um, to defending paleo on my personal Facebook stream. So the crux of my frustration came from blanket criticism about the paleo diet without consideration for the fact that true paleo, for want of a better description, is actually a lifestyle, not just a fad diet. So as we know, paleo is so much more than just the food we eat, and there are a myriad of eating philosophies out there that we can subscribe to. Regardless of the differences between each of them, I think one thing we can all agree on is that the main underlying goal for anyone who adapts to a long-term lifestyle change is that we are aiming to eat for health. Today's guest certainly knows a thing or two about this. Anthea is a naturopath and herbalist, organic food health and lifestyle educator, owner of Ovio Retail Store and Organic Tea, and author of I Am Food, which is her brilliant new book based around eating for health. Anthea has exhaustive knowledge and experience working in the wellness industry and has spent the last 20 years consulting as a naturopath. Originally inspired by a nutritional manual on her parents' shelf when she was 12, she embarked on a lifetime of research and learning, which we are excited to be able to share with you today. Here to help us unscramble the scramble and transition from eating processed foods to eating the food that's best for your body, soul, and the planet, we'd like to welcome Anthea Kaloros to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Hi, Anthea. We're super happy to have you along today. Um, I know that mm-hmm. I got very excited reading all about your journey, and it certainly seemed uh, to me that you were almost destined uh, to help many people heal themselves with food. And I was wondering that uh, if you could perhaps start by telling us a bit about yourself and perhaps how you arrived at where you are today. Sure. I'm so happy to be able to share this. Um, I grew up in a Mediterranean household. Mum and Dad were born in Cyprus. They came to Australia when they were quite young. And I just grew up knowing how to cook and build food around me all the time. And it was just such a normal thing. I used to bake every Sunday. And then, um, yes, I did discover this book on Mum and Dad's shelf, which was called How to Get Well by Pavo Areola. And it's, I've still got this book. It's almost um, shredded to pieces now, but I have kept it. And it's an old nutritional naturopathic physician's book. And I was just, I don't know what it was. I was asked this question today, why did it influence me at such a young age? I think I was just drawn to the ability to use herbs as medicine. So I used to grow some of the herbs and just, drink them or apply them as poultices and then I was quite fascinated about food as medicine and and using food rather than supplements and I know it sounds very strange for a 12 year old kid but it was just (laughs) that way and then um, I grew up and studied naturopathy when I was about 18, 19 years of age. 
I completed six years of study and opened up my own clinic at the age of 22. And my dad used to always say, if you just stood still, you'd cost me less money. But I just, I had this absolute desire and passion to just start consulting and helping people address the underlying reasons and really teach them about whole foods. And, and my whole food philosophy was different to what we were studying in naturopathy because I had this Mediterranean background. Absolutely. And that's how it really all, yeah, and that's how it all began. It wasn't, for me, it wasn't food for health. We just ate real food and we ate traditional food. It's funny you should say that, Anthea, because um, when I was growing up, um, I grew up in a, a traditional Italian family as well. Well, mum's side of the family was Italian and we, that they were epic at living off the land, you know, like stuff that was probably yeah. pretty standard for them and, and innate skills that they had. But um, we had fantastic access to that kind of food as well. And, you know, there was nothing that went to waste. Like if, you know, if, mm-hmm. if Nono was uh, shooting the, the pigeons to keep them away from the almonds, well, you know, what ended up ending, ending up in the pasta sauce was, you know, some pigeon and a, or some, um, you know, galar and, a, and, and whatever else was in there as well. Um, one of the things that is, is tricky these days, um, which is a, a bit of a current topic, is um, when people, people are told they should have free-range eggs and, and uh, look mm. for them as organic as possible, but that's becoming really tricky now. Like it's, uh, it's like if, yeah. if you just give them a certain amount of square feet per amount of chickens un, you know, in, a, in a factory or under a roof, that's classed as free-range. How can people navigate mm. that and what should they look for? <clears throat> So when it comes, so this is this is a really good topic because it's what I start with clients with regards to whole food. I always get them to consider the source and processing. So with source is the health of plants and animals, so how they are raised or how they're grown. I think um, with regards to source and then processing, I'm sure we'll talk about with regards to source. I always um, make clients really aware of how animals are farmed and how plants are grown. So I teach them about farming and soil, and I spent two years visiting farms every Sunday because I said, if I'm going to teach nutrition, I want to know how animals are raised, how plants are farmed. Um, so I teach them about that, and then I ask them to become really friendly with their retail supplier, producer, to ring up, ask questions, to look at photos, to go and visit or seek expert <coughs> advice like me and, 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 and what you're offering on your show because obviously we've done the research and we're really, we do it every day. Um, you know, we can offer them that information, if, especially when people don't know where to start, but I yeah. think it's just making them aware I love of it. it. I love that, Anthea, and and this is giving me flashbacks to when I heard you speak in Sydney about twelve months ago, and I just loved your yeah. talk. It was actually my favourite talk of the entire day. So, um, because you spoke about that, and you spoke about just getting back to the source and finding out where the food came from and the soil and all that sort of stuff, and it was just absolutely fantastic. So, one thing I'd love to know about Anthea, you mentioned your background and your heritage before, so. What have you yeah. found have been the challenges coming from that background and heritage in terms of, you know, what have you changed in your diet and, and how have you found that, I guess, perhaps dealing with family and stuff when you've gone to family get-togethers, if you have made changes that are away from what you used to eat growing up or has it been pretty much the same? Good one. Good one, Brett. Um, 
Look, it's been it's been the same for me because I still eat. You know, I grew up eating brains as a little girl. We grew up eating liver. We grew up eating, you know, nose to tail. It wasn't. We never did the transition to westernized eating. There was we weren't allowed to eat takeaway, and there wasn't much takeaway when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, every now and then you'd see something brand new that'd be like a breakfast cereal, but then it would kind of disappear. Dad wouldn't let us use a microwave. So I I grew up and still eat how I did eat. Um, I feel really lucky. So for me, it's normal. It isn't about, I, even though the book is, you know, I am food eating your way to health, it's for those clients who don't know how to eat or have lost their way mm. to eating what we used to eat, which was just healthy. Isn't that and cool? I think that I've just... just yeah. Isn't that cool mm. that you just had that right from the start, though? I mean, so many kids mm. aren't getting that these days and, and don't mm. know that stuff. So it's awesome to mm. see that that's possible and that you can bring kids up just knowing that stuff. As you said, even as young as 11 or 12, you just knew all that stuff. That's so exciting. Exactly. It is exciting. And so that's why I think it just drives me so much because when I studied naturopathy, we were um, taught a, a healthy version of a food pyramid but it never made sense to me because we were just, you know, we were creating diets and protocols for a disease state rather than eating what we've evolved to eat, what our anatomy and physiology dictates and eating what we've done for thousands of years of human evolution and trial and error and innate wisdom. So the kind of nutrition that we were taught wasn't what I grew up with and that's why I challenged it. And that's why to this day, I mean, it's very easy for me to help clients debunk the myths and educate them because it's what I've always done. And it's what I do day in day out is to help clients become aware of their beliefs around food and educate them on how their digestive system and their human anatomy and physiology works and teach them about how food is grown and just meet them where they're at, looking at what it is that they're choosing to buy, finding out why, and helping them understand a better version of that. That's so it is a great yeah. education. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely, and I'm I'm so happy that um, you spoke about belief because something that really hit mm-hmm. me when I opened your book, apart from it being absolutely beautiful to look at. Um, was the fact that it's just so sound in that you know exactly where you're coming from and what you believe. And, and I know that when you open it up, it starts with some general principles um, and talking about food for life. And um, I really enjoyed um, your breakdown of what you believe health to be. Could you perhaps give our listeners at home um, an idea around how you view health? Sure. Um I think health is being symptom-free, disease-free, and health is not needing supplementation, though there are clients for genetic reasons we need to supplement, but generally if people ask me, so what do you take? I don't take anything. Um, That we're free of pain and symptoms so we can fulfill our goals and our dreams, that we have energy and a level of fitness to do the things that we want to do. That's what it means to me and to have clarity of thought and mind. And I, and that's the example that I want to be because I am a busy person. I create anything that I 
think of, I'm just able to do that. And I think I'm able to do that because I've got good health to do that and I've got energy that drives that and a belief that I can do it and without any barriers. And I think that comes with good health. It's, uh, you said in, the, in your intro there that you were um, passionate about herbs and, and drinks that you could make and um, mm. those benefits of, of studying herbs and being a herbalist. Can you um, tell us um, what your favourite, maybe top three herbal tinctures are to, to drink or consume? Sure. That's a, oh, there's so many. I've got this A to Z amazing herbal apothecary at work. It looks like Harry Potter's um, medicine cabinet. It's quite sweet. Um, goodness gracious, it changes every month, but I'm going to say this month, um, a herb called Shisandra, Shisandra berry, which is a Chinese herb that increases sensory performance and it helps the liver um, detoxify and metabolize. That's another wonderful herb is um, winter cherry or Indian ginseng, which is excellent for nervous exhaustion and debility and convalescence and recovery from um, any illness, any chronic illness or inflammation. And another Brazilian herb called um, Mura Puama, which is an excellent aphrodisiac. Um, and it um, can help restore the adrenals and create lots of energy. <clears throat> so, um, um, Anthea, obviously yeah. the, these herbs uh, can be quite powerful as well, can't they? So do people need to be careful taking these herbs, or are these ones that just anyone can add into their diet? Well, herbal tinctures are all practitioner only prescribed, so it's actually um, illegal for me to dispense anything over the counter without a consultation. Yeah. And 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 that's why it's always important to seek expert advice because I know you can yeah. buy these things over the counter, but uh, when a herbalist or a naturopath prescribes a herbal medicine or selects a herbal medicine. She's aware of the actions, indications, active constituents and any interactions with drugs or supplements and whether the herb is suitable for that person's constitution. For example, if they're a cool constitution temperature-wise, then we're not going to give them a cooling type herb. And if they experience heat, then we're not going to give them a herb that increases um, heat within the body. Yeah. In the form of herbal teas, that's a little bit different. A lot of the herbal tinctures are not available as herbal teas because quite simply they're just not available and B, they're probably not so pleasant to drink as a tea or they require a lot more of a concentration to um, yield a, a specific um, action or indication. So herbal teas are widely available. I just always recommend if you're buying a herbal tea that make sure that it's um, suitable for you, make sure there's no cautions or indica- uh, contraindications, particularly if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, and make sure that it's organic because non-organic herbs are irradiated when they come into the country and not all yeah. organic herbs and spices are grown here. Yeah, it's such an important point you make about the tinctures and then being practitioner only. But what about the herbs that we're, and spices that we're adding into our food? I mean, obviously, people can add in spices and herbs into their cooking as well. So what are your favorite herbs and spices for people to use in their cooking that I guess kind of everyone can just add into their day-to-day stuff uh, and that has a great benefit for, I guess, generally everyone? Sure. 
Well, I, I like spicy and hot food. So in winter, I add lots and lots of um, chili. And chili is a good circulatory stimulant and it's an anti-inflammatory and it um, provides heat to the digestive system, so it's good for stimulating digestive enzymes and acids. And that's easy. You can always buy um, a good quality organic chili powder or chili flakes. What's another one? So I use a lot of uh, fresh ginger root or dried ginger root. Um, again, I try to make sure it's organic always. And I'll either grate it fresh at the end of the meal, particularly if it's in a nice soup or broth. And it has very similar properties to um, chili, but it's also a very good decongestant and a good digestive soother, good for colic and wind and flatulence, and it will aid digestion in a meal. And another favorite is cinnamon, um, cinnamon powder. I sell lots of organic cinnamon powder from the shop. I've got a type of cinnamon that is cinnamon and verum, and it's quite Sweet, it regulates blood sugar levels, it's antibacterial, good for a common cold, good antioxidant, um, good astringent, so it's quite healing to the digestive system. And that I add to anything that I want to um, add some natural sweetness. It could be in a savoury dish, so if I'm roasting some vegetables, I'll add some cinnamon as well. Or I'll poach some fruit with cinnamon or I'll mix it into whatever I'm going to make that's sweet because it's just so, so, so good. It's so yum, cinnamon. It's such an amazing aromatic herb with so many actions and indications. It's fantastic. We love it in our house. There's not much we won't put cinnamon on. Um, no. But, um, and you, you gave me a flashback when um, Dr. Brett was asking you or Steve was asking you about the herbal tinctures. I actually... Um, remembered a time in my life that I'd forgotten I, I found myself actually in the emergency department down at Frankston Hospital um, and they thought that I'd actually had a stroke because half of my face had dropped and it actually turned mm. out I had really 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 bad sinus infection and um, yeah. the reason that, that this connects back to you is I actually ended up um, going to an amazing naturopath who um, yeah. you know asked a lot of very detailed questions, did heaps of research and then as a result of that um, prescribed it a tincture and honestly had me on the road to recovery pretty damn quickly compared to anything else I've, I've ever experienced. And I don't know, I think if I ever met her again, I'd just wrap my arms around her and, and thank her Aww. profusely. But they really are so um, powerful. But, I mean, I think herbs are often very misunderstood as well. People think it's a little bit sort of freaky-deaky mm. or, or airy-fairy. But... Um, I think they're a great way of getting flavour into your food. And I know that you've got a, a whole range of amazing products. And, and you mentioned before we started recording the show that your uh, tea range was going gangbusters. Can you tell us yes. about that? Sure. Um, when I was a young girl studying naturopathy, I worked for a really well-known naturopath called Penelope Sash, and we used to hand-blend her teas and go out and sell them to restaurants and, and food stores and she taught me the art of herbal tea blending and and that's different to just learning how to be a herbalist and knowing what herbs do. Tea blending is a little bit different. So you need to make sure with the tea that you can um, retain and, and use herbs that have a therapeutic benefit and herbs that combine well together to potentiate um, the beneficial effects of each herb but also it has to taste good. And so 10 years ago, I started my brand, Ovio, and 
I wanted to create my own tea range that was extremely therapeutic. So there's teas that you can use for the digestive system, the nervous system, the cardiovascular system, but they also needed to taste amazing. And of course, they're always going to be certified organic and and come from organic and biodynamic farming that continues to support that kind of way farming system and, and nourishes the soil. And so I created this range, and then the range grew to about 50, and we were selling them so well through the stores, and then we started to on-sell them to other health food stores. And then we thought, let's go to the restaurant and cafe market, and they've just been selling like hotcakes. And I think because when you try them in a restaurant situation, you sit down, you order a cup of tea, and you try, and then it just kind of, just it grew from there. We had the Sydney Tea Festival yesterday. There were 5,000 um, attendees and we had a store that was five deep, the five rows waiting in line just to sample our teas. Wow. And I, I think we've just, I think what we've nailed is um, yummy tasting, good, um, good tea coming from good sources but also really, really good for you. Anthea, yeah, uh, it's quite, yeah. We were, um, Sarah and I were talking about, uh, we have some oils ourselves, um, a, a certain brand. Um, I don't know why we say a certain brand. We're not restricted to not say stuff. <laughs> um, we, we have, <laughs> we, uh, we're not sponsored, but we have some um, doTERRA therapeutic grade uh, oils and um, I sat through a presentation um, and it really just blew my mind. Uh, people who understand these, these therapeutic-grade oils, how to apply them in their household to uh, achieve a lot of things that commonly um, we refer to medications for. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little, uh, maybe um, give our listeners a little bit of an introduction into therapeutic-grade essential oils and um, why, why that can be beneficial? Sure. So essential oils are just one active constituent of a herbal plant. So there are many, many others. And when we use herbal um, teas or herbal tinctures, we're using um, not necessarily the whole plant, but we're using a whole part of the plant. So it could be the whole plant, it could be the leaf, it could be the root, it could be the aerial parts. With essential oils, it's taking one one active constituent of that part or plant. Essential oils offer the plant its um, immunity and also flavor and aroma and offer um, an antioxidant effect and property. So if it imparts that to the plant, then when we consume the plant um, or breathing or apply topically, um, the oil, we're getting the same therapeutic effects, if that makes sense. So herbs, yeah, so if herbs are grown in um, quite hard, um, dry, robust conditions, usually they'll have um, certain qualities that will yield an ability to withstand those kind of environments and therefore when we consume that or apply that or smell that, it imparts the same benefit. And essential oils are just are so extraordinary. I mean, people use them because they smell so amazing, but they can be amazing decongestants and antiseptics, so you can use them in cleaning products. Um, 
etc. Et yeah, there's just so many uses for mm. them, aren't they? In fact, we just had uh, the mm-hmm. Wellness Summit on the weekend, so we listened to Kim Morrison on the weekend talking all about aromatherapy and essential oils, and mm. it was just fantastic. It was such a great insight, and and I've actually had some experience mm. using them myself, and just found them so useful. So, um, Anthony, one of the other things I really like to oh sorry go. Well, well, I was curious to you use them internally as well. Um, a little bit, but mostly just uh, as aromatherapy, mostly just the smells. Yeah. Um, and I've found that particularly yeah, useful yeah. when I've been stressed or when I've had different stuff going mm. on that, 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 or wanting to get to sleep or, you know, they, they can just be yeah. a little bit of an aid to help in all sorts of different situations. So, yeah, brilliant. Anthony, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, obviously you spoke about sourcing of products and, and ethical sourcing of products. So I'd love to hear your mm. take on that, why you think that's so important and, and I guess your philosophy mm. around the environment and why it's so important to do that and to look after the environment as well as make sure we're getting good quality foods. Sure. I think my, my philosophy is simple when it comes to food, that it's considerate and considered eating. So I'm not just eating for myself, I'm eating for all. And I hope I get to explain so this good. well. So, yeah, I believe that we're just part of the whole circle of life. So life eats life. Um, that... W- and the most important part of that life is our soil, our water, and our air, because that's where that's the nutrition that grows our food, and or um, that our animals run feed off. So the source for me is fundamental because that's where the nutrition is, and also, I mean, also the people that tend to that source. I consider to have the most noble profession because they're looking after the source which gives us life. And also I, I'm really mindful of animal welfare and care and I'm a, I have, I'm a mummy to two furry pets and I, I love them like my kitties and I, I think if I thought I could be a vegetarian or vegan, then I would, but I know nutritionally I can't. And I'm, my job is not here to change, convert vegetarians into paleo or animal eaters at all, but it's to just explain what we've evolved to eat and how we do live off the land. Essentially, when we're choosing not to eat what we've evolved to eat, then we're breaking the circle of life or we're breaking the system, we disconnect. Because then we're eating... Things that only, um, how do I say it, that only serve one part of the circle of life. If I was only to eat industrialized soy, for example, well, how does that affect our environment? How does it affect farming? How does it affect our soil, etc.? All for the purposes that I'm lactose intolerant. You know, is there another way around that? Do we need to have that? So that's what that's what I mean by considered and considerate eating. That's a brilliant explanation, Anthea, and I think when you put it in those terms, it makes it a lot more um, accessible for people to to wrap their own heads around, which I think is always part of the battle Mm. when we're exploring these kinds of um, things. So, um, Anthea, you have got so much um, on the cards. Obviously, you're still practicing and you've um, got OVO as well. I understand um, that you've got something potentially pretty exciting on the cards. Yes, I do, and... I won't mention which um, TV station is yet because I'm 99.9% over the line. But I was I was actually approached a few years ago to to do a 
a soil-to-plate TV show. Um, and back then, the production company was wanting to present it to one of the popular TV stations, but they weren't quite interested in a female host at that time. Hmm. Production company was. And then the second thing was soil-to-plate was still a bit foreign. Now we've got, you know, we've got the shows and they're, you know, they're all on at the moment. It's all about, you know, provenance and where our food comes from. But the thing, what you were still missing, and that's why I've been, I was approached again a few months ago, is no one's doing soul to plate and health. So we're all interested in where our food comes from, but how does that benefit um, the human amongst this circle of life, so considered considerate eating. And also no one's really doing the tradition, so the lost art of traditional preparation. So I've, I've done a, um, a fun little sizzle, which is a, a taster for this show, and I should be hearing news in the next week or so. Um, we think it's going to go ahead. So the show basically is about um, my little village of Sydney, um, and I'm sure it'll it'll be um, national. I'll end up doing this nationally as well. And I meet producers and farmers and um, chefs that um, embrace traditional preparation methods and, and cultural food and meet the nonnas that are still alive or the mm. grandmothers oh, of so different cool. cultures and try to capture what they still know before they pass over because yeah. we've lost the, that art of food preparation Mm. And then I just layer it with health and a better understanding of source. So it's quite holistic, considerate, and putting together the people that are, are really embracing these traditions. That is so awesome, Anthea. Um, Steve and, and myself and Dr. Brett, actually, we, we don't really watch much TV, but I definitely think that that is something that I would tune into. For sure. Um, Absolutely. So um, for anyone wanting to find out more about using food as the ultimate medicine or, or how to take care of your mind and body with natural, sustainable solutions, I strongly urge you to check out what Anthea is doing. Um, and you can head over to her website, OVO Organics, which is O-V-V-I-O Organics dot com dot au and grab yourself a, a copy of I Am Food mm. in which Anthea offers a, a no nonsense, fad free, honest and really informative approach to achieving health and happiness. And honestly, all you have to do is look at Anthea um, for, for the ultimate testament of how, how great the book is. Um, she looks amazing, so I certainly want what she's having, that's for sure. Um, so discover more of what Anthea can offer. Um, like OVO Organic Health and Lifestyle Store on Facebook and follow OVO Organics on Twitter and Pinterest. Um, another great way to boost your transition to a healthier lifestyle is by connecting with other like-minded people. And we've got Cave Camp Queensland just around the corner, which is the perfect forum for anyone interested in enhancing their daily lives by learning practical, hands-on take-home life-changing skills straight from the experts. Um, so you'll take home information about um, instant stress relief and restorative relaxation techniques, 
how to confidently shop for prepare and cook delicious paleo meals, uh, help to implement the paleo lifestyle without damaging your social life, and learn fitness fundamentals, which will allow you to create your own fun, easy workout. So join the TPS crew and the Merrymaker Sisters across three days for an epic experience that is guaranteed to turbocharge your paleo journey. Sign up for that show uh, for that Paleo Show Cave Camp now by going to thatpaleoshow.com forward slash cave hyphen camp. And thank you again to the wonderful Anthea for joining us today. We can't wait to see more from you in the future and wish you all the luck in, in your um, endeavours going forward. So thank until so next much. week, so until next week, head over to our website, thatpaleoshow.com, to tell us what you think. See you at Cave Camp Queensland, and make sure you check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.